There's a word from the Lord this morning that is found in a awesome reference of Holy Scripture. In fact, God gave me this message earlier in the year, even before the pandemic, to share sometime in the month of June with the men from this text. And then we had the passing of our dear brother, Deacon Johnny Thomas, who we honored today. An awesome, was an awesome man of God, was part of our security ministry. In fact, every Sunday morning before we even got here, he was at the back door on security. And every morning when I pulled up, it did not matter at a quarter to eight or so when I would pull up, if it was raining, hot, cold, Deacon Johnny Thomas would be there. And so when, when he transitioned unexpectedly, God said to me, I need you to preach this message at his home going and then come back and preach it again in June. I was obedient to the will of God and I shared from this text at Deacon Thomas's home going service. And I want to dedicate the message today to his lovely wife, to his family, and to all the men of men's ministry that worked so closely with Deacon Johnny Thomas. First Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 through verse 14, reading from the NIV, New International Version translation. First Samuel, the 13th chapter, the 13th through the 14th verse, reading from the NIV translation. Hear the reading of God's holy word. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said to King Saul. You have not kept the command of the Lord, your God. Mm. God was disappointed in King Saul. And he said, because you have done a foolish thing. Now look at the latter part of verse 13. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all times. And then verse 14. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of all his people because you have not kept the command of the Lord. The, lat the middle clause in that verse says the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. God has found him a man after his own heart. I want to, for the next few moments, speak to you from the subject, God's kind of man. God's kind of man. 
I want to begin this message with a special story that I shared at the early morning service. It is a story of a young father who had recently been converted. He had recently given his life to the Lord. This young father takes his 10-year-old son with him as he goes to the gym to play basketball with some of the guys that he grew up with. Listen, during the game, as often happens when you play neighborhood basketball, arguments break out. An argument broke out that, that leads to one of the guys that he was playing with pushing the young father and challenging him to fight. The young father does not respond. He goes and gets his 10-year-old son, grabs him by the hand, and they began to walk away. The guy who was initiating the confrontation says to this young father as he is walking away, man, you are a wimp. What kind of man are you anyway? Once again, this young father does not respond. He continues to hold his son by the hand and he and the boy walks away. As they were about to get in their car to go, the young boy turns to his dad and say, Dad, what kind of man are you? The young father looks at his son and says, I am God's kind of man. I am God's kind of man. Listen, most men I know, regardless of their level of success, have at some point wrestled with the question, what kind of man am I? And it doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter what your title may be. The truth is, if we all are honest with each other, we all will confess that at some point in our lives, we all have wrestled with the question, what kind of man am I? Listen, I've heard many men say that they are striving to be a certain kind of man. I've heard that throughout my life. The truth is, most of the things that I have heard them say that they are striving to become are very commendable. I've heard men say, I want to be a great businessman. I want to be a great community leader. I want to be an elected official. I, I, I want to be a great supervisor on my job. I want to be an example as a manager uh, in a profession that I have chosen. Great things. These things ought to be commendable as we strive to make a difference in our lives. However, here's what the Lord said to me, that the real question, the real question is this. 
Are we striving to put God first in our life? The real question is that what kind of man does God expect me to be? I can be a great businessman, but not have a good relationship with God. I can be a great community, neighborhood, political leader, but do not have a relationship with God. You can be number one on your job. You could have received all kinds of awards and commendations, but at the end of the day, you don't have a good relationship with God. Are we striving, first of all, to become God's kind of man? Listen to how Jesus puts this in St. Matthew's chapter 6 and verse 33, the NIV translation. Jesus doing this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6 and 33, says these iconic words. And these are words to live by. Perhaps these are words that should be a mantra and a theme in all of our lives. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You can be a great businessman, but seek the kingdom first. You can be a great father and uncle and grandparent and, and a great minister, but seek the kingdom first. You can be a powerful elected official, but don't compromise your principles to seek something that will not last. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And Jesus says, and all these other things will be given to you. Ooh, look at this word, will be given to you. You don't have to steal it. You don't have to stab anyone in the back to get it. You don't have to pull somebody else down as you're pulling yourself up. He says, if you seek the kingdom first, all these other things will be given to you as well. What a powerful exhortation. I want to be God's kind of man. The question is, am I doing everything I can uh, to achieve that goal? Are you doing what you can to be identified not just as the best husband and father and, and co-worker, but as God's kind of man. Let us turn to our text. Let us turn to the text that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and examine the testimony of perhaps someone in the Bible who could be considered the greatest biblical uh, hero of them all. That would be King David. Someone who certainly would have been could have been and is today described as God's kind of man. David is an awesome example of what you could strive to be 
in your life. I, I have always loved David. In fact, I said this morning that uh, several years ago, I did a whole series that lasts, I think, a whole summer on the life of David. And I still today get people who say to me, my good friend, Don Fryson, the host of the urban scene, will say to me periodically, that David series helped me shape my life. I have other people say, David is an example. And I was proud to have introduced them uh, to, to the awesome testimony of David. Listen, in our text that is found in the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, the prophet Samuel goes to King Saul, who was at that time the king of Israel. Remember, Saul was the first king of Israel. And Samuel had to give King Saul some very bad news. Samuel the prophet says to King Saul that the Lord had rejected him as king of Israel because of his disobedience, because of Saul's impatience. I would urge you to go back and read chapter 13. Because Saul could not wait on Samuel to come to offer the burnt offering. He was impatient. Uh, he did not trust the fact that Samuel would show up and do what God told him to do. And Saul himself took it upon himself uh, to do something he was not assigned to do. Hear me, brothers. Because as I began to talk to the brothers this past Thursday on that Bible conference, I said to them that you would think that, that God was pretty harsh on Saul. If this was his sin that he wanted to offer an offering to God and he did not have the patience to wait on Samuel, why would God strip him of the kingdom? Because God said obedience is more valuable to me than sacrifice. God still requires us to be obedient to his instructions and obedient to his word. So the Lord rejected King Saul. It is important to understand this, and time would not permit me the opportunity, but perhaps one day we will once again visit the life story of David. This was chapter 13. Pastor Mag, what makes this so unique was this was chapter 13. And in chapter 13, God says in verse 13, he says, I have sought or found me a man who's after my own heart. Uh, Samuel says to King Saul that God has already chosen him someone to replace you. And that someone was King David. Now, what makes this so unique, Bill, is that this was three chapters before David was even anointed. David didn't know anything about it. Oh, I listen to this, my brothers and sisters. Oftentimes, God chooses us before he anoints us. God chooses us when we have no idea that God has chosen me for an assignment on my life. 
David had nothing to do with this. David was not even aware of this conversation that Samuel was having with King Saul. But Samuel said to him that God has rejected you, Saul, because you were not obedient, you were not patient, you could not wait on God. A lot of us are ambitious, but we are not patient in our ambition. And there's nothing wrong with ambition, but when it's not godly driven, and if you can't wait on God to make a difference in your life, you will ruin what God has set up for you. And not only, because I noticed this perhaps for the first time as I began to study this text, not only did Saul ruin it for him, Saul also ruined it for his son, Jonathan. Because in the text, Samuel says, God would have kept this in your family forever. God would have blessed you and your sons and your sons' sons forever. But because you disobeyed God, God is stripping this from you and your family that follows you. Can I say something to you men? The decisions we make are not only decisions that impact us, but oftentimes we make decisions that leave lasting negative impressions and consequences on the lives of those who follow us. Such was the case with Samuel. Samuel's disobedience stripped Samuel of his authority, but denied Jonathan, who was in all accounts an honorable and a great human being, an opportunity for something he should have rightly ascended to. God says, I am stripping you, and I have found me a man. I have found me someone who is after my own heart. I have found me a God's kind of man. So you ask the question, what was it about David that made him so unique? It certainly wasn't because David was without fault because when you look at what David did compared to perhaps what Saul had done, it could have been even more egregious. But the difference between David and Saul was that David's heart was right. <laughs> there are a whole lot of people that are right on the outside, but their hearts aren't right. David's heart was right. God can work with you if your heart's right. God says, I'll work with you. Although you've made mistakes, I'll work with you if your heart is right. David's heart was right. Although he was an adulterer, Although he was a murderer, although he was a deceiver, but God still chose David because God says, I like his heart. I like the fact that David could write Psalms 51, Lord, against you and you only have our sin. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. David had the right heart. But I would suggest to you that there are many reasons why David 
was God's kind of man. And we could take the rest of the summer to outline many reasons uh, that made David special. But for the sake of time and for the purpose of this message, I want to suggest to you this morning there are three reasons why David was God's kind of man. And I want you to look at these three reasons. And somebody said, well, I'm not a man, Pastor Jackson. I'm a young lady. I'm a woman. Then this is the kind of man you ought to look for. This is the kind of man that ought to be in your life. This is the kind of man that you ought to go to bed with every night if you're married to them. Uh, I'm a mother raising a boy. This is the kind of boy you want to raise up to be a man. You want to be God's kind of man. Three reasons, three reasons why David was special. Three reasons why David was God's kind of man. Number one, David was a man of faith. It all begins with faith. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can be a career-oriented man. You can be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, preacher, politician, truck driver, bricklayer, carpenter, a sheetrock hanger, whatever you do for a living. It is wonderful, wonderful and commendable. But if you are not a person of faith, if you don't have faith, you will never be God's kind of man. I know preachers who can preach you into a spiritual frenzy, but they're not God's kind of men because they don't practice what they preach. Their, their, their faith doesn't back up their ability to articulate. David was a man of faith. And if you're going to be God's kind of man, it starts with faith. What is it about David's faith that stood out? Well, David says something that is very powerful. David uh, looks back over his life in Psalms 37, and David reflects back over his life, and this tells us why David was a man of faith. Why? Because David believed that God would always provide. <laughs> faith tells you, even when I can't see it, God can do it. Faith is the substance of that which is hoped for, the evidence of that which is not found. Someone said it more succinctly. They said faith is confidence where there is no evidence. I have confidence that God will make a way even when it doesn't seem like it. When I'm broke, when my bills are due, when I'm in the midst of a pandemic, when I've been laid off my job, when I don't know if I ever go back to that job again. Faith is, God, I trust you. God, I still depend on you. David writes in Psalms 37, verse 25, the NIV translation, David said, I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children to beg bread. In other words, I trust God. When I couldn't trace him, I trust him. When my body was sick, I trust God. I had faith to believe that God is a healer, even if he chooses not to heal me. I still have faith 
to believe that God is a healer. God is a provider. Even if I don't get everything I desire, I know I serve a God who can provide. You've got to have faith to stand on the promises of God, even in the midst of calamities, to say that I trust you, God. I trust you when I can't trace you. I trust you when my back is against the wall. Lord, I trust you when everybody else has forsaken me, have forsaken me. I trust you. David was a man of faith. David trusts God in such a way. He said, I will lift mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. David trusts God in so many ways in his life. And if you are going to be God's kind of man, it begins by you being a man of faith. You have to have faith to believe that God would do whatever God said he would do. Second reason why David was God's kind of man. Remember the first one was that he was a man of faith. Here's the second reason. David was a man of courage. Uh, David's faith was backed up by his courage. Uh, you can't be God's kind of man living in fear. You cannot be God's kind of man when you don't have the courage to face your obstacles. When you don't have the courage to run towards your problem and not run away from them. You cannot be God's kind of man when you hide in troubled times and not stand up and say, for God I live. And for God, I die. You cannot be God's kind of man like this young man in the story that we began the message with if you don't have the courage to walk away. I will submit to you that this young man who grabbed his 10-year-old son by the hand and walked away had more courage than anybody on that basketball court because he had the courage to look like a wimp but know that I'm trusting God. He knew that he had to be an example for that young boy whose hand he was holding. We have to have courage. It takes courage to stand up. It takes courage. It took courage for Bishop Jackson to quit his job and come to a church that could barely afford to pay the mortgage on the building. It took courage when the man he was employed by looked at him and said, how are you gonna feed those five children of yours to say, I don't know, but God will make a way. It took courage for Deacon Frank English Jr. It took courage for Elder William Lloyd Rath King and others to come and start a ministry among women and have their friends say to him, you all are in that holy, holy church, that sanctified church. It took courage for that young man, Deacon Rath King, the late husband of Mother Betty King, as a young college graduate, phenomenal athlete, athlete of the year 
at Booker T. Washington High School, South Carolina State University, all kinds of accolades for him to stand up with a group of women and say, I'm Pentecostal and proud of it. It takes courage to take a stand. And I would say to all the brothers today that are closet believers, all the brothers today on your job, folk don't know you are a Christian. They don't know where your faith is. Uh, that it takes no courage for you to keep silent when you ought to speak up. It takes courage. David was a man of courage. Listen to what David writes in that iconic Psalm, Psalms 23 and verse number four, the NIV translation. David writes these words, even though I walk through the darkest valley, <laughs> I will fear no evil. Even though I'm walking through the darkest situations in my life, I trust God. Even though I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, I trust God. I'm walking through the darkest valley. We're going to preach about that next Sunday, valley experiences as the first message in the series, Life Experiences. Even though I'm walking through this dark time in my life, I've got a message for all the haters. I trust God. I am not fearing evil. I am not feeling defeated. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David was a man of courage. And then, perhaps the greatest example of all of the courage of David is seen with David's confrontation with the giant Goliath. I wish I had time to deal with this. I wish I had a month to deal with this. If I did, I would tell you that something so unique stands out about David's testimony was that David, it is believed, was 20 years old when he confronts Goliath. He, he wasn't some established man who uh, had been around for a long time. Young man, to all of my young brothers out there, 20 years old, had been anointed in verse 16, but went back to tending the sheep and the goat bill. So many people ought to take note of this. He, David had been validated by God. Uh, the oil flew, uh, just went down and David's head all over his body. The oil flowed on David. But yet he wasn't so full of himself that he says, oh, to his daddy, I'm sorry, I can't go back to tending sheep. I'm now anointed. There are some folk that got one week of salvation and got a collar on. And the next week, uh, they got a title behind the collar. And two weeks later, they started a ministry. God says, sometimes when I anoint you, I anoint you to be patient and wait on my timing. 
because he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Look at David, had been anointed, went back to tending the sheep. Now, here's what stands out. I wish I had time to deal with this. Here's what stands out. Having been anointed, his father still gives him the menial job, the most disrespectable job of you are a gopher for your brothers. Your brothers are strong enough to be soldiers. They are out there with King Saul, being soldiers, mighty men of valor with armor and weapons. And so Jesse, the father of David, says to him, take this food and refreshments to your brothers who are out there on the front line. No complaints. David could have said, you know I've been anointed. <laughs> Did you hear Samuel not say I'm the next king of Israel? He never brought it up. Yes, sir. If you want me to serve my brothers, yes, sir. You want me to go back and take care of the sheep? Yes, sir. I do everything that you ask me. That's someone out of God's own heart. And so on his way to take, you know the story. I won't insult your biblical intelligence. He, he says, on his way to taking food to his brothers, he witnesses something. He witnesses the enemies of God defiling and defaming the name of God. For 40 days, 40 days, Goliath had defamed and defiled and made a mockery out of God, King Saul, and the people of Israel. And for 40 days, no one stood up. Not Eliab, the oldest brother of David, not his two other brothers that were with him. None of them stood up. Remember, David was the youngest and the eighth son of Jesse. David takes this food to the front line. Can I preach this to you? And David goes to the front line and hears these insults about God. And he asks the question, who is this uncircumcised enemy that's defaming the name of God? And they say to him, his name is Goliath. He is a giant of a man and we cannot defeat him, nor can we even fight against him. And David looks around and he says, is there anyone who's going to take up for God? Is there anyone who will do this? And David says, I'm willing to do it. And look at the insult of David, brother. Please go back and read the text. Eliab still had not gotten over the fact that he was not chosen. And so he says to David in a sarcastic, in fact, insulting manner, what are you even doing here? Then he asks the question of David, besides, what have you done with those little few sheep that you are supposed to be taking care of? But once again, when you are a man out of God's own heart, you don't respond back to your enemy with foolishness. You've got to be able to take a licking and keep on ticking. You've got to be able to say, I trust you, God. I trust you. When nobody else will. Here's what David says. David says to him, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? And David tells the other soldiers, listen to the text. 
I'm getting through this in the next few minutes. My time is almost up. David tells the other soldiers, I'll go fight. They says, how can you fight? And they says, I'll go fight. He says, I remember when there was a bear and a lion. They came against the sheep. I defeated them with my bare hands. The soldiers went to King Saul and said, this young boy is willing to go against this giant. Saul calls David and says, are you willing to do this? David said, I'm willing. He says this. Listen to what David says in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And I'm sorry. And he says this in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 32. David says this. Don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Look at these words. I will go and fight him. King Saul says, if you're going to go, take my armor, take my weapons, take my shield, take my javelin. They were too big for David. They, they did not fit David. God gave me a message some time ago. You can't fight your enemies with other people's weapons. You've got to use the weapons that God has given you. But David said in the second verse, verse 45 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, David replied to the Philistine as he went to approach him. He says, you come to me with your sword. You come to me with your spear. You come to me with your javelin. Please look at this, brothers. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heavens, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defile. I don't have a sword. I don't have a javelin. But I've got the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. We run in and we are safe. Courage makes you run towards your enemy, not run away from them. David went towards Goliath. He did not flee from Goliath. If you want to be God's kind of man, you run toward the problems, not away from it. And here's the third and the final thing about David. Number one, David was a man of faith. Number two, David was a man of courage. But look at number three. <laughs> look at number three. David was a man of worship. To every brother, to every man, to every minister, to every deacon, to every parking lot attendant, to everybody that calls upon the name of the Lord, this message is for Men's Day. If you are a good man, then you are a worshiper. You cannot be a good man if you don't worship. Worship is not just jumping up and down. Worship is not running around the church. Worshiping is worshiping the Lord in whatever way you do. Worshiping is setting the example to be a godly man. Listen, I told this at eight. When the pandemic first began, about three or four weeks in the pandemic, one of the brothers of the church and I were talking about some other business. He's a brother, he's not a deacon, he's not a minister. Just a brother, he and his wife, and his kids come to church. 
And he said to me, Pastor Jackson, thank you so much for the virtual service. And he says, we would always come at 8 o'clock. And I knew where he sat with my family. And we thought it would be important for us every Sunday morning to bring our family to worship together. And he says, since the shutdown, we've decided to continue to do that. So we wake our children up. <laughs> he says, uh, and sometimes at 8, sometimes now at 11. And we bring them downstairs. They've eaten breakfast. And we sit down and we says, now we worship. He said, his son said to him, Daddy, but the church is closed. He said, but worship still goes on. When you're a worshiper, you're not limited to where you are. When you're a worshiper, you're not limited to your circumstances or your situation. We've got so many fathers that have been so obsessed in teaching their children how to play baseball and basketball and soccer and how, and how to become great athletes. But let me ask you a question. When was the last time you worshiped with him? When was the last time you sat down and say, we may not be able to go to church, but the word can get to us. If you want to be God's kind of man, you must be a worshiper. David says in Psalms 34 and verse 1, I will praise the Lord at all times and I will constantly speak his praises. <laughs> 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 14. The New Living Translation says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. <laughs> you can't be ashamed to be a worshiper. You can't be ashamed to be a praiser. If you can cheer at a game, you can worship God. If you can take your sons and your daughters uh, to cheer camp, uh, to football camp, to a baseball field and when they hit a ball you jump up and say that's my son you can take them to a worship service and say that's our father <laughs> that is what worship is all about and so if we're going to be God's kind of men we must be men of faith we must be men of courage we can't back up to Goliath we must confront Goliath and we must be men of worship do your children know more athletes than Bible verses I remember a long time ago I would take my sons to the barbershop and we would sit there and one of my buddies would bring his son and he would say let me tell you what my boy can do and his boy would, would rattle out every name of every athlete who was anything. He would give, he was like seven or eight years old, and he would tell you how many points Michael Jordan scored and how many points this and that. And I wondered after I left, how many Bible verses does he know? Does he even know Jesus wept? <laughs> does he even know God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? I want to tell you something. This is no disrespect to this brother because I will not call his name. So we kept in touch. And he and I would constantly be in touch. 
And I remember a couple years ago, I saw him and I said, where's your son, man? How's he doing? I said to him, Brother Fred, I hope your son is doing well. He dropped his head and he said, man, unfortunately, my son is now in prison. And I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm praying for him. And he says, I don't know where he went wrong, Dara. And he stood before me with tears in his eyes. He says, we tried to do everything. He says, but he rebelled and he is now in prison. And then he turned to me and said, what about your boys? Where are they? And I said proudly, but not bragging, they're okay. He said, what are they doing? I said, both of them are working in the ministry. And he looked at me and he says, man, whatever you did, you did the right thing. I said, no, it wasn't me. It was the God we serve. See, my boys may not have known all the stats of all the athletes, but every night before they went to bed, we says, you got to get on your knees and say, Lord, I thank you. We made them come to church when they didn't want to. We made them go to Sunday school when they did not want to. And I'm not saying that that is always the answer because sometimes you can do all of that and it still doesn't work out the way you desire. But I'll say this, worship is not what you tell your children to do. Worship is what you show them to do. How you worship together. Ooh, I looked at the service just this morning and our praise and worship leader, Mr. Cedric McFadden, and I saw his family sitting in the back waiting on him. And I said, wow, that's God's kind of man. That just, I, I, I know it's a shutdown, but we still got to worship God. And so as we conclude this message and the brothers come as we prepare to conclude this special Men's Day message, the question that every man should consider is what kind of man do you want to be? Look at me. I'm looking you square in the eyes wherever you are. And I'm asking you this question. What kind of man do you want to be? I pray to God that your answer is, I want to be God's kind of man. I want to be, and if your son never becomes a professional athlete, if he prays when he's in trouble, then you've succeeded. If you show them the example of what a God kind of man can look like. Ooh. Listen, my father never obtained a degree in theology. My father never really was recognized by the who's who within the religious community. In fact, as we come, some, some laughed at him. They made fun of him. They said, how can he be a preacher? He has a stuttering problem. He doesn't have a degree in religion or theology. In fact, he was a former truck driver. But there's one thing that I always knew. He was God's kind of man. Because he was a man of faith, he was a man of courage, and he was surely a man of worship. 
My challenge to you today is who are you? What do you want to come become? It begins with this, with you giving yourself away. Here's what the altar call song says by William McDowell. I give myself away. I give myself away. It goes on to say, here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. I am longing to see your desires revealed in me. Take my heart, take my life as a living sacrifice. And this is my favorite part of this song. All my dreams. <laughs> ah. Lord, this is my testimony. All of my dreams. All of my plans. Lord, I place them in your hands. I give myself away. Come on, you can call us now at 888-776-1238. Now it's time, just you and God. <laughs> Come on, lift those hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can use me. Come on. Give myself away. myself away so you can use me here I, I am here I stand Brothers, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. I give myself so you you can use me. Said I give myself away. I give it, I give myself away. So you can use me, you can use me. Hallelujah. Listen, my life is not my own. Everybody, come on. To you, I belong. Ah, I give myself. Thank you, Cedric. Yeah. I give myself Ooh. to you. Ah, See, my life ah, is not ah. my own. Not my to own. you, to you. I, I give myself. Oh, 
favorite quotes is this I have a list of quotes that I live by but one is this it is never too late to become the person you were meant to be it is never too late to become God's kind of man a man of faith a man of courage and a man of worship and you can pursue other things but remember Matthew 6 and 33 seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well the key word in that verse is first but seek first you can be the greatest father, take them to all the baseball, football, basketball games, but bring them to church first. <laughs> Teach them all the wonderful things that they should learn in life, but share with them the word of God first. You seek God for your life first, and everything else will be added 
unto you. Close those eyes wherever you are. Pick up the phone right now. You can call right now, 888-776. Someone is there to pray with you. Someone is there to take your calls and to pray with you right now. Close those eyes. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you this day. We thank you, Lord, for challenging all of us that are men on this Men's Day 2020 to be God's kind of man. <laughs> thank you for reminding us that it really doesn't matter what else we desire or strive to be if we're not your kind of man first then all those other things are secondary help me to be a better man than preacher help me to be more faithful to you than my ability to articulate and pontificate over scriptures help all of us to be more loyal to helping those that are in need than helping ourselves help us to seek your kingdom first and when it's all said and done they may not have a parade with us about us they may not celebrate our names we may not see our names in light but we will hear you say well done <laughs> that good and faithful servant Lord I want to be like Bishop Jackson I, I so want to be like Elder Lord and Deacon English and Deacon Ralph King I just want to be a man that when I'm said and done, when I'm done and gone, Lord, when it's all said and it's all done, somebody can say we made a difference in this life. We bless the men of Bible Way. We bless the ministries all over this world. Men that have joined us all over the country. We say that we stand today. Ooh, and we affirm the fact we all could say, as we've heard so often, that black lives do matter. But more importantly, we say a changed life matters even more. Help us to encourage somebody else to change their life. And they become that example. They become the change they desire. The change they desire, they see it in the mirror before they advocate for it on the streets. Whew. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. Come on and worship. I give myself. Come on and so. Yeah, so you. Come on, all the worshipers, lift those hands. I again Tuesday night for our live 
virtual service. Thank you for being a part of this ministry. You can share this message with family and friends. We leave it on our webpage. You can share it. We encourage you to find somebody else who perhaps could not hear the message and you desire for them to be God's kind of man. Send them a message. Tell them to log on to our Facebook page or our website and they could be challenged to become God's kind of man. Thank you for your contributions to this ministry, to the family of the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. We so appreciate you. We will be sharing with you sometimes in the near future what our plans are as it relates to re-entry, what our plans are as it relates to continue the virtual service or some type of re-entry. Thank you for trusting in us. Thank you for having faith in our leadership. Now as we lift those hands to the Lord, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor. And may the Lord give you his peace. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. like to thank everyone for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org. Hello, this is Pastor Darrell Jackson. I want to invite you to a special series beginning in the month of July. The series is entitled Life's Experiences. It has been said that life is a journey filled with experiences. Some good, some not so good. Some we cherish, some we can't wait to forget. We are going to share four separate messages uh, dealing with life's experiences. Messages such as a valley experience, a wilderness experience, a mountaintop experience, and a Damascus Road experience. Join us for the month of July, share it with a neighbor and a friend, as we deal with life's experiences. Our prayer is as a result of this series, we will better understand our life, we will better appreciate the things we go through, and most importantly, we will better appreciate the God we serve. Thank you, join us for life's experiences.